This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Hello ladies and gents, welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host Chris Simpson, and joining me as always is Cara Thistlethwaite. Hello. And we're joining you after, pretty predictably, back-to-back defeats for Newcastle against Liverpool and Man City. So it was 3-1 to Liverpool, 4-0 to Man City. I mean, it sounds a lot worse than I actually think it was. I mean, I don't think anybody went into this assuming Newcastle were going to get a point. Um... I thought Newcastle played well. I don't think that's reflective of how well they played. Obviously, defensive errors, which we'll get to in more detail, but I think it's the small defensive errors that are letting teams like, well, you can't have any defensive errors against teams like Liverpool and Newcastle. Uh, and uh, obviously Newcastle, that's the wrong one. Um, <laughs> and Man City, without them punishing you for it. And I, that that's inflated the scores a little bit. But I thought, all in all, you can't really be too upset by how Newcastle played, considering how they've been recently. Yeah, I mean, there, there were some parallels in both games. I thought in both games, as you've as you've literally just said, despite the scoreline, I thought Newcastle actually played not too bad in both games. Uh, there were certainly spells in both games where, okay, maybe we didn't necessarily threaten the opposition's goal really heavily but there were definitely times where we actually looked pretty solid we were matching Liverpool we were matching Man City I think especially periods in that first half but at the same time and again parallels in in both games we absolutely gifted the opposition a goal which was really frustrating Uh, in the in the first game John Joe Shelby, who of course opened the scoring with, let's face it, you know, an absolutely phenomenal strike. Yeah, it was a great goal. Really enjoyed seeing that as well. I, I think uh, Shelby was more surprised than anybody else <laughs> on the pitch that that had gone in, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, he tries them, uh, well, he tries them pretty much every game, but this was with a one or two a season that actually flies into the back <laughs> of the net. Uh, Mike Dean with that incredible dummy run across him. Oh, yeah, just for beforehand. God's sake, Dean. <laughs> Jesus. Did you see his little, like, little hop? <laughs> I swear he did little twinkle toes in the middle of the air as well there watch it back <laughs> but then of course <laughs> Shelby unfortunately then at the other end goes and gives the ball away for most hour to then score but that's these little errors that we're, we're talking about yeah. it, it, I mean they happen they're always going to happen but I think you the just pro- you need to tighten it up because yeah. I think that's Newcastle's easiest thing to fix at this point it's not like you can change your squad overnight and we've already said how potentially changing the squad over the January transfer window might not necessarily be the easiest thing in the world um, but but just tightening up those the basics is something that really needs to be worked on I don't know maybe Shelby just got a little bit excited <laughs> well that, that's, that's what's I mean it's always frustrating of course when you do it against any team but it's like of all the teams in the world who really don't need get goals gifted to them on a plate, it's Liverpool and Manchester City. And then, <laughs> yeah, literally five minutes into the City game, 
Kieran Clark. I mean, oh, Kieran Clark, seriously. <laughs> but just not why, heading the ball, just completely leaving still, it. Why is he still playing? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Well, I suppose we could address it now. Basically, Federico Fernandez and Jamal Lewis, actually, they're both out injured. Uh, in Eddie Howe's words, for the foreseeable future. So certainly we're not going to see them, I think, this side of the new year. And... When you've got all your easy games to play. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Fernandez being out... Fernandez is great. Him being out means that Kieran Clark is back in the team. I mean, could you not just literally put anybody else? I mean, honestly. (laughs) I always quite like Kieran Clark, but oh my God. (laughs) Like of all, of all of our defenders, I think he, he is the most oh, champ- no. championship defender. He just watched that. And he's having an appalling time at the moment. And like, sweet Jesus. And then, unfortunately, then Jamal Lewis being out, of course he got injured in the Liverpool match. That now means that Matt Ritchie's back at left-back. And again, as we've spoken about before this season, one of our biggest problems at the back is the fact that we've spent most of the season with wingers being forced to play in both fullback positions. Now, how many te- other teams can say that in the Premier League? Again, I like Matt Ritchie generally. He's not a left-back, and that's a big problem because we've he's basically been our left-back for quite a long time now. And again, with with, with Lewis being out again for a f- at least probably a few weeks, Matt Ritchie's back in the lineup as a defender rather than as a winger where he should be. So that's that's a problem. But that's just patching up holes again. It's something that we've already talked about. It's just an ongoing issue, isn't it? But yeah. let's say if we could tidy up those little things, I say that as if, like, you know, I'm also a professional footballer, which is a whole load <laughs> of horse poo. But um, you know what I mean? It, it is like schoolyard errors every now and then, like the Kieran Clark. I don't know. What did he think? His hair was going to get messed up or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, like, any ball going into the box, if you don't know where it's going, even if the goalkeeper calls for it, which I'm pretty certain Dubravka didn't because he made no move towards the ball, you just head it. It was painful you to watch, head it. wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, as we talk about with parallels, as well as us gifting them a goal uh, in both games as well, as you expect from teams like Liverpool, from Man City, there were also obviously some goals of just unbelievable quality. Oh, yeah, some excellent Looking ones. particularly at, uh, yeah, Trent Alexander-Arnold's absolute thunder bastard. <laughs> that first time, I mean, to be fair, like, obviously, yeah, it was a great goal from Shelby. I mean, you know, Alexander-Arnold's tops it in that first game. And then that run and strike from outside the area from Cancelo, I mean, carving through the defence, but yeah, I, ultimately, just it was a just great goal. Notch from their players. I don't, I don't want to take it away from because it was still a fantastic goal. There's no saying it it wouldn't have gone in, but if if the defenders had not moved away from the ball and created a fantastic V shape that the ball then sailed <laughs> through, maybe I mean maybe it had taken deflection and gone in anyway. Who knows? But knowing our look at the it, moment, yeah. But it just felt but, like yeah. They definitely, especially with Cancelo's, they could have done a bit more. But there's too many people backing off, and then when people did go forward, they then split. And yeah, but you know whatever. And then the other, in some ways, even more frustrating than us gifting the goals, or certainly as frustrating. Another again parallel, literally in both games was, again, a bit of a recurring theme this season with Newcastle, just having no luck when it comes to refereeing decisions. I'm not going to sit here and say that there's some sort of conspiracy because 
ultimately in football, you do tend to make your own look a bit, which is why the bigger teams, I think, often do get the rub of the green. In a, in a sense, I think it's, at least to an extent, because they make the look, they get a lot of penalties because they spend a lot of time in the opposition penalty area. They don't tend to give away quite as many because they're quite good at defending. We tend to give away penalties, for example, because we're not very good at the back. Um, but we were both both get incidents in both games, I think, where we can count ourselves pretty unfortunate. In the first game um, was with Diogo Jota's goal, so this was the equaliser for Liverpool. Mike Dean, I think, probably should have blown the whistle I mean, that with one's... Isaac Hayden down with a head yeah. injury. Uh, um, and you're probably not going to like this, but playing devil's advocate, that one, I can kind of see why he didn't blow the whistle. Now, don't get me wrong, I know it's extraordinarily frustrating, but if you remove yourself from that, I mean, it didn't, it didn't really look like a head injury. I know he was holding his he, head. He was holding his head. And but, like, the players hold various parts of their body all the time. So I'm, I'm not saying that it shouldn't have been blown. I'm saying I can see why it wasn't. I don't know. I don't think VAR's used in this way, but I feel like maybe VAR should have checked it. And if that was the case, that it should have been blown. I don't know, maybe have a free kick from that point. For, for Newcastle, I don't think it works that way like it does in rugby. I, I think the, um, the difficult I, with with the first one because I mean, look, I'll be honest. I will, when we'll get to the City incident in a moment, that one for me was much more frustrating. We'll, than this get, one. we'll get on to that one. I'm um, no, what I'm saying is, I'm, I I also kind of agree with you to an extent. It was frustrating, and I do think ultimately Dean probably should have blown the whistle, but. I think it's one where VAR can't intervene because because actually it was two Newcastle players colliding. There wasn't actually a foul from Liverpool, so I don't know if VAR could could um, bring it back. And I don't I think, think it's it was more, a clear cut. This it's is a, this it's is one where Dean, I think injury. Dean needed to blow the whistle in the moment. And, and and if you look at the replay, Mike Dean does actually have a couple of looks at Isaac Hayden while he's on the floor. So it's not that Dean wasn't aware. I think he just decided. That it wasn't, it wasn't, and it I think wasn't that required. And I think is unfortunate. But I think it's fair. It's frustrating and it's unfortunate. Again, I'm not, I don't think, as with the second one, which we'll get into, well, in about 10 seconds, I don't think we were robbed with that one. No, because he did then immediately get up and, you know, he was fine. There was no issue. Like, well, I mean, Eddie Howe said that actually, even after the game, he still sort of was having headaches and stuff. Well, if that's the case, which, why didn't he remove him at which half-time? No, that is a completely fair question on Eddie Howe, is if that's true, then actually, really, you, you should have took him off because we need to take head injuries seriously. And not only that, then so he that played in the next game. That isn't the game. silver bullet that Eddie Howe thinks it is. Yeah, and then he played in the next game. I'm sorry, but if you had a concussion, you need longer than that amount of time under um, but so that one, you know, uh, I'll take that with a pinch of salt as we go. I'll count but, that as just an unfortunate Newcastle's luck. Yeah. But the second the one, second one is, oh, Jesus, is ridiculous. That should, that, and, I just don't understand how that wasn't a penalty. Yeah. So if you, if you haven't seen it, listeners, I'm sure you probably have. But this is the moment in the City game. Now, of course, it's already 2-0. So, but despite that, we were actually playing quite well. We were generally matching City. In fact, this was just after their second goal. Um, but the way we were playing for certainly the rest of that second half and for the early part of the second half before you know it all sort of went to pieces. Can I say what an impact Fraser has? Because I know he's involved in this, but get, like 
Unfortunately, when, he, when he's on the pitch, I, I feel, he's a good player. I feel that he isn't always picked out. There was a couple of moments in the Liverpool game where Sir Maxwell didn't pass to him when he should have. I feel there's maybe one or two instances where you know he would have been the better option. Um, but I think that's also Sam Maximan and uh, Wilson not being used to having anybody running down the wing to support them. They've always been a reactionary rather than um, you know thinking ahead. But yet again, he was causing issues down the side. Um, wouldn't have got to the ball. In, in the box, wouldn't have got to a ball. It was, you know, a fair no, I mean, fight between the two. Cancelo had the ball. Like, it, let's be perfectly clear. Yeah. Ryan Fraser did not have the ball. No, no, no. It was a fair fight but and it was... A, Edison, as I said, if you haven't seen listeners, Edison completely wipes out Ryan Fraser. Now, you can, to, you can see why Edison would want to run out and go for the ball. However, he is, A, nowhere near it because Cancelo gets to it ages before. Now, I do understand that if you've got it in your mind that you're going to go go for it, if you're going to go and do a sliding tackle, if you're going to be the goalkeeper and run out, that that is a decision that's made and you're already in the process of doing it. However, there was enough time for him to stop or to pull out. And instead, he sees that Cancelo's got the ball and then he looks at Fraser and continues and goes through. Yeah, he absolutely clatters him. I mean, he? how Fraser wasn't injured, I don't know, because that could have been... Quite nasty, couldn't Yeah, it? because it was... Obviously, it's not a high tackle, but when the goalkeeper's going for the ball, there's still, you know, there's still quite a big presence, and they're, you know, they're on their knees tends to be. So he did make contact with Fraser's knees at that height. Obviously, not with his feet. So yes, the goalie's within his right to run out, but he still just took out a play and had no contact with the ball at all. The ball was nowhere near him. Yes, Fraser wasn't a threat. Which then, in a way, makes it even worse because well, yeah, it's like even more he, didn't from even, he didn't even have the ball. And he completely <laughs> got away with it because, and that was, uh, I mean, even the Sky commentators were basically disgusted at the fact that a a penalty wasn't awarded, and b, according to the Sky commentators who, who do have more information when it comes to uh, VAR checks and that sort of thing, according to them, VAR didn't even have a look at it, which I'm sorry is nothing short of a disgrace. I mean, what? I'm not saying that if we get that penalty and score it, that we magically therefore earn a point or go on to have this amazing comeback win. But assuming that we would have converted it, which I mean is still a a hefty assumption, but that would have made it 2-1. And at that time, we were playing quite well. Yeah, of course, we'd probably still go on to lose. But it's just emblematic of our season and it's not the first time. I mean, this is probably the most Stonewall one I can certainly that I can remember, and certainly in in recent weeks, it's it's so infuriating, and I I feel like it's it is becoming a bit of a pattern now, and it's it's really really upsetting to be honest because I um yes because I and the, the the only sort of vague weak excuse that was sort of given to Sky was like oh well Fraser didn't have the balls like that doesn't matter. Yeah, the not, fact that he not, didn't have not, the ball he's not American football, is completely he immaterial. You still can't tackle someone who doesn't have the ball. It's saying rugby. Exactly. And anywhere else on the pitch, that's a free kick. The fact that Ryan Fraser didn't have the ball and arguably makes it worse yeah, it's like, yeah. because it was so unnecessary. Um, I mean, yeah, to, for him to not even have a card or therefore to be an indirect free kick because you say he didn't have the ball. 
and it wouldn't have even been that. It would have been a penalty. But no, I, I know. I'm just saying yes, that there was yeah. nothing, nothing at all. Yeah, it, it, it was bad. I mean, it's, it's, I, it's I, a joke. <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. That one obviously clear cut. The pattern part, I'm not so sure. I wait. I can see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm champing at the bit. Which is, but... All right. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> I can't look faces. So funny. Um, <laughs> That's just okay. my face. That's yeah, true. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I think Newcastle are always unlucky. Anyway, what what I feel is that maybe because you are not one of the big six or just the big top money laundry ones at the moment. Uh, I know you are, but like you've not made that presence felt yet. Um, maybe that's why you don't necessarily always get the benefit of the doubt, but I'm going to try and dial back. And I know that you're not going to like this, but I'm going to try and dial back a little bit with the conspiracy theory. I do think you're unfairly done by, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's all the time. I think sometimes they are 50-50s and you never get the flip side of that. That one wasn't. That was just poor. Yeah. I, look, I'm, I'm not trying to get the tinfoil hat on here. No, no, saying, I know. I know. Just, I know, just, but just, I know just that. to be clear to, to those things, like, I'm not trying to suggest that there <laughs> is like some sort of like genuine conspiracy, but it's just like... But you feel like just, there is. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like it's it's hard to just escape that hard done by feeling when we've had it so many times this season. I mean, even just in in recent weeks, is this how the Brighton game at the end? Yes, VAR did eventually look at it. The Brighton keeper was eventually sent off, but it's like the referee doesn't even he no. didn't even give a crap in the moment. He was like, "Nah, move on." And then it was only two minutes later when VAR finally were able to look at it, and he, he had to go and look at it. That it got pulled back. The referee had wanted nothing to do with that. He didn't even want to look at it until VAR called him out on it, which was poor because it was clear in the moment there was something there you need to look at. And then, like the the in the Norwich game, the penalty that we event again we eventually got it, but it was such a clear handball, and it took them so long as if they were like, "Is there any way?" And again, this is me being just paranoid and frustrated, but I'm just going to voice it anyway. Even though I know it, I know it's nonsense because I'm sure this isn't the case, but it was almost like they were looking for any excuse to not give it. It took them that long when it was so clear. I, again, I know that I'm not, I know that's not the case, but it's like that's like honestly how it's starting to feel. Which... Is this how this hard done by nature, <laughs> this pessimism? Oh, it's been from, ingrained from, in me from Mike Ashley. Now Mike Ashley's gone. <laughs> the only way you can direct it is at other aspects of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I, we didn't need Mike Ashley to feel hard done by. He just then compounded it like a million <laughs> Yeah, but you had a target, man. Uh, well, anyway, your next couple of matches. Woohoo! Yeah. Man U, Everton, and Southampton. Now, I feel Everton haven't been doing anything too special recently. And Southampton. By the two games, out, out of that run, I mean, obviously, if we can get something against I mean, Manchester, I'd absolutely be, love you to beat Man U. That would be uh, amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, Everton and Southampton are the two games coming up that really we need to be targeting points. And as you've said, Everton, they've been pretty inconsistent this season. They've really not had a great season. They're surprisingly poor at the back as well, actually, for Rafa Benitez. So considering he got this championship defence, 
to do as well as they did. It, it's it's surprising that actually with with slightly better players, maybe it's just Everton's in inbuilt Evertonness. He, he maybe he even a, even a manager of Rafa Benitez's talents just can't overcome that, or maybe Benitez just sort of isn't the same coach since he's come back from China. It, it, it could be a, a number of factors, but they've not been great. We're at Goodison Park. We've actually beaten Everton in the last two times we've played them. We've got to be looking for at least something in that game. Southampton as well. They're not having a good season. They're, they're well, I mean, look, they're seven points ahead of us at this stage, so there's still a fairly comfortable buffer from their point of view. But being realistic, they are a team that could easily get fully sucked into this. They are very much in that relegation battle, even if the, of the teams down there they're not doing too badly. Southampton are one of these teams that have kind of been relying in recent years, I suppose a bit like Newcastle in recent years, that have been more relying on staying up by virtue of there being three worse teams than the fact that they're actually good. (laughs) So pretty much the same as us, though, obviously, as I say, they're not doing quite as badly as we are this season. But they're a team that, again, if we could beat them, and not that I have anything against Southampton, but just as you're in that dogfight, you're just trying to claw your way out of it. We could drag them a bit further in, in the highly unlikely event that we were to get a win. But I mean, I say highly unlikely, we've got a pretty decent recent record against Southampton, which is not something I get to say very often, listeners, when I do these little preview sections. We've actually won five of our last eight meetings and drawn the other two. That doesn't necessarily mean anything... But it's a bit more encouraging than when you go to play Arsenal and you've lost 17 of 18. So, you know, there's that. But ultimately, yeah, those two games, we need to be trying to... I mean, obviously, you look at this point, every single game for the rest of the season, we need to be targeting points, obviously. But just in terms of, like, looking at who the opposition are, they're definitely ones that you want to be targeting. Um, as, As for Man United... They've not played for ages. <laughs> yeah, so obviously because of cancellations. I mean, it was, what, the, the 11th, I think, when they last played mm. uh, against Norwich. Now, well, frankly, they scraped past Norwich. They did not deserve that at all. And it was the jammy Diving. Ronaldo penalty where he dived, uh, as I'm sure you remember from the other week, listeners. I mean, obviously, ultimately, it worked out for Newcastle because we don't want Norwich picking up any points. But I had to feel for them because they they were absolutely robbed in that match mm. of at least a point because, well, I suppose we talk about that look that the big teams get. I mean, ugh, Man United. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the thing is, by the time that our game rolls around, they'll have had over two weeks off it's compared with us. Of course, on, on these games. Yeah. yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean Newcastle Thursday and then Sunday. I mean, we're one of the few teams that have actually continued to play yeah, we, in we, this period. I wish they hadn't played against us. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you were the last game to play, didn't Yeah, and but in terms of yeah, Man United, it'll be interesting because I mean, well, obviously they'll be fresher than us at a pretty busy time of the year. They'll also have had a couple of weeks working with Ralph Rangnick on the training ground. So from that point of view, unfortunately for us, you would expect them to be better than they were against Norwich. The only hope maybe is that sometimes it can kind of work against you if you haven't played for a little while. And maybe 
maybe at least early on there might be a little bit of ring rust. I mean, again, I'm I'm clutching at straws here, listeners, but you never know uh, in terms of recent record. I and mean, we have beaten Man United at St. James's Park in 2018 and 2019, both 1-0. I'd absolutely, at the risk of sounding like Kevin Keegan, and we know how that ended, but I would absolutely love it if we beat them uh, again. But it must be said, since that win in 2019, I mean, the last few meetings, the last couple of years have all been pretty one-sided. It's been basically 3-1 or 4-1 every time. And the way we're defending at the moment, you wouldn't be surprised if that was the case again. But you never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just you just got to hope for some points in, in, in these few matches. Two would be nice. Six would be better. You know. Nine is not going to happen. No. <laughs> okay. yeah. I'm calling I mean, it now. A draw would be would be great against them. I can't see it happening, but they've not been the most consistent of teams recently. Obviously, now with the new manager bounce, maybe. But and we need we need to get that confidence back. I mean, obviously, yeah. You look at the opposition, Liverpool, City, and to an extent, Leicester. You look at the opposition. Obviously, it's been a really tough run of games since that first win. But at the same time, to concede that many goals in all three games, that's a battering yeah. of the, not only of the goal difference, which it must be said anyway. is dreadful. <laughs> and I mean, our goal difference is still only, the only reason it's comparable with Norwich's is because Norwich have only scored eight goals. But I feel like the fitness comes in a little bit because yet again, it fell apart at the end of all three of those matches. If we go back even further to Leicester, you just say yeah. like fifteen minutes. It's just like well, there isn't. You're not there. It's that fitness. <laughs> it's that concentration. So. We need to get the confidence back. So, again, if we were to get anything against Man United, we're at least really, really, you know, give them a game of it. Like, hopefully even more than we have Leicester, Liverpool, City, where in spells we did play well, but at the same time we didn't necessarily threaten as much as we could have at the other end of the pitch. If we can really, really give them a game of it, yeah, get some of that confidence back going into the Everton and Southampton games. Because they're they're going to be absolutely huge, of course, as as I've said, as all the games now this season. Are. I mean, actually, to <laughs> slightly depressing listeners. I mean, if we don't beat Man United uh, again, assuming that game goes ahead as scheduled, we will be exactly halfway through the season with one victory, which is worrying. Mm. Um, especially since I would estimate in most normal seasons you probably need at least ten wins to stay up because that gets you to 30 points and then, you know, maybe you've got six to 10 draws in there that then get you to or close to that 40 point mark. Uh, I, I have a feeling this season, given the way, not just Newcastle, but several teams at the bottom are playing this season. I think the threshold to stay up is going to be a bit lower than normal. So you might not quite need 10 wins, but you're still going to need a few. <laughs> you're still going to need a few. So, uh, you know, the idea of getting literally halfway through the season with one win under your belt is, it's scary to say the least. Um, but yeah, uh, it's obviously going to be Christmas next week. So we are going to be back with you listeners in the new year. So we'll have, again, assuming they all go ahead, we'll have the Man United game, the Everton game and the Southampton game to have a look back on. And then we'll be eagerly awaiting the third round of the FA Cup, where we'll be at home to Cambridge United. 
So oh, look forward to us getting giant killed. I kind of wish it was at Cambridge. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we'll 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 get I mean, to the we'll yeah. get to the we've got three defeats to talk about <laughs> between now and then. <laughs> so we'll, we'll yeah, we'll we'll get to that FA Cup game and look ahead to that in the next pod. In the meantime though, have a, have yourself a fabulous and safe Christmas and New Year. And yeah. We'll, yeah, and we'll be back with you in 2022 that sounds really fun and dandy doesn't it i don't know maybe there'll be some lighter news on the horizon i freaking doubt it <laughs> probably be back in lockdown but if you fancy giving us a christmas present this year's listeners a like subscribe and positive review would be pretty amazing and chocolate and alcohol are also accepted they are also very welcome uh until next time this has been magpies unrestricted and i've been your host chris simpson Thanks, Cara. No problem. And thank you, listeners. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.